they get golly hard when they jumble Jumping over hurdles, slowing birds like a turtle Merkin fool, like Squirtle and Kate Gould Cold blood is with the Stromsky, I'm a boss Flip the coin, toss it, straws, I'm out of loss How my brains get busted, slinging letters into couplets This is That Got Me Thinking, and I'm Ellie Newman. This week, I've been thinking about the brain and imagination. I've been thinking about goal setting, individuals and organizations. I've been thinking about creation and the roles of science and faith. And I've been thinking about how we identify where we are in any given moment and where we want to go, and then what it takes us to get there, and why most of us, the majority of the time, don't end up making the trip to our desired destination. My guest today is visual goal-setter Patty Dobrovolsky. Patty captivates and inspires audiences using the business leadership tool of the future, Drawing Solutions, Up Your Creative Genius. Patty received her MA in Psychology with an emphasis in Drama Therapy from the California Institute of Integral Studies. A member of the National Speakers Association, she is a TEDx featured speaker, multiple business award winner, and past Broadway performer. Welcome, Patty, and thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Ellie. I'm so happy to be here. Wow, how exciting. So I want to start with a brief explanation of what you do, and we'll dive more deeply into that throughout the show, and then a bit about how you got there. But what I'm going to start with initially is because I saw when we first, we were actually doing a Skype call, and when I first connected with Patty, I saw behind her this huge whiteboard beautifully drawn with the future. So I don't know if you wouldn't mind sharing just what, what it is I saw. Well, you know, when I, I start my day, I like to start with a picture. And sometimes that picture is just of the day and what's going to happen. And sometimes it's of the future of way out a year from today or three years from today or even a hundred years from today. What, what do I envision that future to be? And part of what was on the map today is just what I'm looking at in terms of, you know, I want to make sure that even though this is a productive climb that I'm taking time and breaks in it to take care of myself and that on the current reality side and then on the desired new reality side there's all these things about partnerships with people who are doing good things in the world those are pictures of what I want to see myself doing and then I just close the gap in between with what are the three boldest things I think I need to do and that's how I start my day and do you do it every day I do it almost every day, not every day, because, you know, I like to shake it up. What I know about the brain is that it's a pattern-making machine. So if you do the same thing every day, your brain is like, oh, yeah, ho-hum, here we go. But what I like to do is just, like, do something completely different to repattern my brain. Like when you walk up the stairs, if you make yourself go up the stairs backwards or jump from stair to stair, it actually... um, program some new neurons in your brain. I'm always trying to refresh that, reboot my brain. And are there days when you wake up, I don't know if you do this first thing when you wake up, but are there days if you do when you wake up where you're like, okay, the 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 where I am and the where I want to be are a complete fit. And and on those days, is there a picture or no picture drawn? Uh I you know, I think sometimes the picture is the picture you hold in your head of where you want to be. And so I I look at that first. Like I come out of my dream world and I think, hmm, that was interesting, what I learned there. And then how does that play out in my everyday life? Or how is that setting me up for success? You know, if you assume that all worlds are equal, right, the waking state and the dream state, which 
that's what our imagination is. It's an accelerated version of, of uh, our dream state. Um, you know, I think there's lots of meat and information in there. So you might have pictured yourself in an image in your dream that you can take into real life. And I'm, I was thinking about the woman who wrote, I'm trying to think of what her book is, Could or Should. It was about that, you know, the things you um, should or must there are some things you you believe that you should do that are people tell you what you should do, and then there are things you must do. And in her book, she writes about how she dreamed of this space in San Francisco to paint in. She hadn't painted in years. And a friend of hers said, have you ever tried to look for what's in your dream in your real life? And then, of course, she finds the space and she transforms her world into this new experience. So, so that's the picture I'm looking for sometimes, an inner picture. And other times, I'll create an outer picture. And do you keep a dream journal? I do. do. I do. And I have for many years. Yes. So, you know, I'm probably into my 30th year of dream journaling and and journaling in general, because I think it's a good reflective um, tool you can use. And I I noted in reading some of your um, previous blog posts that you talk about dreaming, too. And so I'm. Do you well, do you keep your dream journal? Well, you know, it's interesting. When I was looking through your materials, I was thinking of a book, um, The Three Onlys by Robert Moss, the, and it's um, about tapping the power of dreams, coincidence, and imagination. And he talks about the connection of all of those and, and how, you know, it's not, it, it, he jokes about, oh, it's just a dream, it's just a coincidence, it's just imagination. And he does all of these empirical tests um, sort of with the universe yes. to see Right. You know, can he get answers from these different areas of life, and in what form do they come? It is really incredible. Yes, I, I love this idea. To me, I think that's hacking. You know, if we followed what everybody said and told us to do, we'd just be little lambs, and I think that's true across the board. And the goal is to, you know, understand that you're in your own experience, and you have to hack yourself to see what works in health, in um, creation, in whatever you want to do and explore. And the more and you hack yourself, the better you get at understanding what's your particular cycle of manifesting something new. How long does it take for you to actually do it? And what are the key things that need to be in place to help you do it better? And I think that's why, for me, I began visualizing things in a picture form um, because I saw some guy do it in a meeting and I thought, oh my God, that's what I've been doing in my head, but I just haven't done it out here. And when I experimented with doing it out here in a picture form, I noted that things I wanted happened faster because my brain was reflecting back, you know, the brain processes visuals 60,000 times faster than text. And 90% of information is transmitted to our brain in a visual format. So we're speaking the language of the brain when we create a picture of what we want or who we are or how we're doing or what the action plan is. It helps us. And even more. And so. I like to I like to make change faster. I don't know yeah. about you, well, but even, I don't want change to be painful. Well, and even more so with the millennial brain, right? Or the the what do they call right. them? The some the natives, the digital natives, that their brains yes. literally are programmed differently than those of us who came a little bit before that digital age. 
where their brains go to a, an image first rather than text on a page and they prefer it um, just as far as the level of synapses that will fire more quickly and where their attention go. So I completely jumped the gun and, and many listeners might be thinking, okay, well, this is really interesting, but what does Patty do? So Patty, I want to jump back a step and um, I want to talk a little bit about, you had said, we all have something we want to change in our lives. 80% higher chance of achieving your dream if you draw a picture of it that we're creating all the time and that pictures are how the brain makes stories and makes sense of the world around us. And that a drawing will help keep you focused and inspired. So if you wouldn't mind just talking a little bit about what it is that you had, you noticed um, the power of a visual goal setting. You just said how it came to you. You saw someone do it. But then what what's, went from there when you noticed that and what is it that you now do? Well, um, at that time, uh, I had many years ago, I was an actor and I had found myself holding a picture in my mind of myself on Broadway and then two months later it happened. And so I had an experience with an inner picture, just like athletes hold that, but they also apply their skills to better themselves and achieve that inner picture they're holding. I had that experience. And then I saw this guy draw a picture when I was, um, I had kind of an artistic break. I couldn't perform anymore. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And um, if I went back to school and got a drama therapy degree. So I'd been working with people as a therapist, but I, I was really a terrible therapist. You know, I would just be like, you know, you have a drinking problem. Go to AA or that guy is bad for you. You know, leave him. You know, <laughs> I just really, I didn't have the empathy that you needed. I wanted people to move on um, from that, where I they were. Know. I think there's a balance, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. So, um, so a friend of mine said, you know, you're not going to make money as a therapist, you should go into business. They love it when you tell them what to do in business. And and it was so true. So he pulled me in to work in this company where he was working. And that's where I saw the person draw a picture. And then, he, you know, he thought, um, because I was so, a drama therapist is really good at interact, setting up interactive experiences for people, you know, any kind of group, whether it's nonprofit or corporate. But he thought I'd be a really good change agent. So he decided to send me into these places and companies where they'd fired people and they wanted to get people back to work. And um, I would be the change agent that would help them do it. And he armed me with, like, change management materials, right? And I go into this one company, and everybody is so upset. Like, literally, in the room, they're throwing things and they're crying and I'm, I'm a wreck. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm not at all skilled at this. I'm, I'm a therapist, a drama therapist, but this is like way more drama than I know how to deal with because I'm not a business person. So I just went into the restroom. I locked the door and, you know, I just like asked like, what am I supposed to do here? And then, you know, I believe that genius or creative genius is accessible to everybody if you learn to get yourself still enough to tune in to your your bigger self, your higher self, right? And the universe conspires to bring you what you need right in the moment. These are these coincidental events that you're talking about or we're referring to. And in that moment, I got an idea. And I went back in the session. I put paper on the walls and I had everybody take a pen and go up there and write and draw where they were right now. 
And then after they'd done that, suddenly everybody was really calm. And then I said, well, okay, a year from today, what do you want it to be like, you know? And so they began to tell me what they wanted, best case scenario. And then we just closed the gap between the two, current and desired. And as soon as I saw that happen, I knew that this was a tool that everybody should know how to do. Like I thought, I'm just going to finesse this. So I hacked it and I would try it on people and I'd finesse it. And I just tried to make the process more easier and easier so that anyone, whether they were stuck knowing what they should do with their life or they were stuck in a, a business situation or they were just wondering if their relationship was the right one for them, that they could use it as a tool to help create some shift and change. And so I call myself like a, I'm a visual thinker. So I go in and when a room full of people are talking, I help to create an experience for them to draw and then I'll also draw so that we envision what's the best case scenario and we figure out what's the strategy to get there. And so that's what I do day in and day out. Well, when I'm not riding or bike, bike riding. <laughs> and so in that, in that first experience, in that room of sort of drama and trauma and chaos, what do you think, having now looked back on the exercise of having everyone stand up and diagram where they were, what led what element of that led to the shift of being able to sort of calm down and find that that center place well i think when you draw a picture of what you're experiencing you get distance from it so it's a projective tool really um just the same way that if you create anything or you write a list um like uh brain rules that guy that wrote brain rules he talked a lot about john medina he talked about how if you actually make a list when you're worried in the middle of the night it will help you because it organizes for your brain it it lets your brain know yes i've captured this I, you don't need to worry the little rabbit or you know hamster in the wheel anymore um and so it's a projective tool so it separates you from it and in a weird way, um, and calms you down based on that. But it also, uh, that separation lets you view it. Your brain suddenly views it as the past. It's a picture of what's already happened, right? And if the brain is a sequencing of pictures machine, then this is just one picture. And it allows you in that distancing to um, that gap in between is the place where you can begin to envision what you do want versus what you don't want. And often when people draw what they do want, they, they sometimes can pull over stuff from the past. Like if, let's say, you said to yourself, oh, I'm so stressed. And in the new reality, the future state, you want to be less stressed you don't want to put less stress because that the brain, right, it doesn't know the difference between less and more. It just knows the image of stressed. So you have to put like uh, calm or balanced or work-life balance, you know, to get specific for what you want. The, the subtleties as you're speaking, I'm just, my brain is going, going, going. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so interesting. And she's got it so pegged. And there's, there are these elements, you know, I, when my kids are upset sometimes and they're going and they're sort of in that spin cycle, I'll be like, okay, put your bags down. You know, you don't have to hold all of your, your luggage. Like we can set it all down and then we can start. And I hadn't thought of that, that what that it's actually doing, which is distancing yourself from it. You're also, when you, <clears throat> put it out there, you're 
you're giving it its own sort of acknowledgement and yeah, yeah, validating validation. Yes. You're saying, okay, this is where we are, and it, it's communicated to everyone else in the room. Like, this is what I've been holding, yeah. and this is what's going on. But now, I have, once I have it on the board, I can let go of it, which I hadn't really thought of that element of this process. And that, and that also, you've also acknowledged it, so it can stop, you know, banging and screaming um, on the door to be heard. Yes, and the, one other thing, Ellie, is like, let's say that you're working with a group of kids that their life at home is a wreck. Because when I was in New York, I worked in a school in Harlem, and when we drew the current reality side, it was intolerable for them. And the first group I ran, as soon as it happened, one of the, as soon as we did that, one of the kids started to beat up somebody in the room, you know, just totally act out. Yeah. And I thought, oh, gosh, this is too hard for them to hold. So then when I set it up and said, this is going to make you feel uncomfortable while you're doing this, that it might. And so let's make sure that, uh, just know that in 30 seconds, we're going to draw the future and it's going to shift everything. Because it it creates also a chemical reaction, the reflection. The brain, it wants to protect you. So it the amygdala gets activated when you have things that are tough. And you'll focus just on them because, right, the brain is trying to end the story. If there's a problem, it wants to come to completion with the story so it can give you that hit of dopamine so you can calm down. And whether the end of the story is positive or it's negative, you still get the hit of dopamine. So you have to be quite careful in that moment when you're drawing their current reality. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's what's happening right now. And we're just about to move on. So everybody stay calm. And that, that's the part of the brain, if I'm right, is sort of the, the oldest part of the brain that goes into fight or flight and is, is based right. on survival and, and reaction rather than sort of reason. Correct. Correct. So as far as the, the actual process, and since, since people can't see um, what it is, although there's great all kinds of opportunities on the web to see what Patty does um, visually, uh, you, you have people draw a snapshot of the big picture, the process of what's going on, and where they are now and then where they want to be in the future. And if you just maybe talk a little bit about what that process is like. Sure. So um, let's say just you're starting your day or you're wanting to get some clarity around some part of your life or maybe your whole life. You just get a blank piece of paper and a pen and maybe some colored pencils or colored pens if you want, but it doesn't matter. And first, I do, um, just on a scratch paper, I do a little warm-up. I, I just draw like a square, a circle, a triangle, a line, period, comma, just so that I get myself uh, to remember that all things in the world are made from these very common symbols because your brain will tell you right away, oh, you can't draw, so just write words, you know. But it's better if you actually draw some pictures because you activate this other part of your um, neural cortex that will actually get you to think bigger. So you want to do some sketching or doodling, um, as Sonny Brown would say, you know, just doodle your way into a new state. So on the left side, you write current reality. And you capture in words and pictures, scatter them around the page on the left side, what it's like right now. Then you take a break. You get up, drink some water, do some jumping jacks, get, get yourself rebooted. 
and you write on the right side desired new reality and you imagine out as far as you want it doesn't matter sometimes i'll just do like next week or you know tesla used to do he'd write the end of his day as if it already happened right so um you can write on that the qualities i start with the qualities and characteristics i want to be experiencing a year from today and i capture it in words and pictures and i start with the qualities and characteristics because it's easy to get to the specifics are sometimes harder so i know maybe i want to be more creative or i want to be more abundant or i want to be more connected or collaborative you know things that come to mind in terms of adjectives like that and i get about 6 of them then i f- add a few pictures to like what would that specifically look like well there's me connecting with a, like a big team or me giving talks in some exotic part of the world or whatever it is that you want finishing that book you've always wanted to write you know i put the specifics and then i've got the the current and the desired and then i just put three big arrows there and i write at the top three bold steps and i look at the data on the left the data on the right, and I close my eyes for a second. And I, this is that me in that restroom, you know, wondering what's going to happen. I ask the universe, all right, best case scenario, you know, what are the three boldest things I could do to get from here to there? And as soon as I get something, I write it down. Um, because your your brain will automatically, if something's too scary, it, it, just like the dream sensor, it wants to take it out of your memory. It, it wants to erase it. So you have to catch it right away. And so I just write those three things down. And they may not go on my map right away. I may write them on a scratch paper and then finesse them to make them bold and big. But I write down those three things. And then I take action on those three things. I just do something, one per each step in that day. And I'm like, there you go got your little action plan now I'm working on it and and why the boldest things because I know a lot of times when people say goals you know they're like baby steps step by step and you you do that in the action element where you start with with the smallest possible step that you can get the biggest step you can get yourself to do which might be a teeny tiny step um, but why the boldest things you could do I, well uh for those three I don't know about years. you, but many of us have we set goals at the beginning of the year. We always say, "Okay, I'm going to lose weight." That's always number one. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to, you know, whatever it is, save money. Right? These are our common things. And then we get about five months into the year, and we're like, "What were those things on my action plan?" And part of it is because we've done the same things for so long that our brain just goes to sleep. It goes to sleep in it. And we live in a world where it wants to lull us to sleep with things and advertisement and food and comfort, you know. So you have to wake yourself up. And a bold thing should kind of scare you a little bit. It should be like, oh, my God, I can't do that. And that's the thing that you want to do. You know, you want to quit that job. You know, you want to, um, you know, never eat sugar again and commit to it. Right, you know, like something that's big that will scare you into shifting the pattern immediately. And then if you focus on that, and I, I said never, and I think, you know, don't use never or whatever, but sometimes I think you want to scare yourself enough that you shift out of the pattern. And that's what the boldness does. So you, you talk a little bit about tricking the brain and, and quieting the critic by activating the right side of the brain versus the left side of the brain that's usually involved when you're making lists. Um, 
let's talk a little bit about how what the brain does in this process and something you had mentioned about the brain filling in the pieces of the story so that that sort of that's sort of the basis of this process you have the left side and the right side with these three bold um, steps in the middle that are your action arrows and the brain is going to fill in all the pieces yeah so um uh, first off, let's just clarify. In the old days, we thought that there, and probably even when my book came out, we thought that there was a right and left side of the brain that activated, actually did its own functioning. And while something's happened in those spheres of the brain, what we know now, because it's an ever-evolving, um, you know, science, uh, and understanding of the brain, which honestly we know very little about how it works. We know that they work in an integrated fashion that synapses on both sides of the brain's fire for certain things. Um, for example, when you're picturing things, it fires in a number of different places based on the kinds of pictures that you have. And so, but what we do know to be true is that the brain sequences pictures to complete a story. And like I said earlier, the sequence of pictures um, can, be, uh, can be real or it can be imaginary. If we assume everything is based in our imagination, right? Because we imagine certain things and we see them in a certain way. But the imagination and that part of the brain that helps to close the gap, closes the gap when you reach for a glass of water, for example. Um, your optic nerve only sees in two dimensions. So it's your brain's functioning and the imagination that fills in the gap so that you actually grab onto the glass. So... Um, if the brain can do that, my belief is that the brain, I'm, what I mean by that is that if it can close the gap between where that glass is and so that you can pick it up and drink that water, it can close the gap in any number of things because it's pulling on the subconscious, everything you've ever seen, a movie you've watched, something you've read, somebody, something you heard on the, on the radio. Um, or on, saw on YouTube, all of that your brain believes is you. It does not know the difference between you having done that and someone else. So we're accessing and utilizing that when we're problem solving. When I say you know how to close the gap between where you are right now and where you want to be, that's what I'm talking about, is your brain's ability to problem solve because it's problem solving every second of every day. It wants to make you look good. That's your ego involved in that too, but it also wants to make sure that you correctly get out of the chair and walk down the stairs and that you dress yourself and you breathe. You know, All that is your brain functioning to make sure everything's going well. Well, and you're making me think, you know how to, to dance like Michael Jackson if you get out of your own way. I had seen a professional hypnotist, the group of people on stage and uh, at a college or high school graduation. And one of the boys, you know, he hypnotized, said, you're Michael Jackson and started dancing. And this kid was incredible. And afterwards, I asked my nephew, I said, well, is he a fan of Michael Jackson? Is he a dancer or singer? He's like, no, but he had seen the videos. And so it was in his brain. And then he was yeah. able to do it. It was incredible. 
Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, we really don't understand, Ellie, what we're capable of. And I think that it's our belief about what's possible that actually interferes with our ability to get things done. And that's the biggest and most challenging part, I think, in our world is how can we overcome what our beliefs are? And as you said, you know, in in the book, uh, The Three Onlys, you know, hack yourself to figure out how do I over get rid of what's the the in the way. So in my picture this morning, I've got a couple of mountains there because I think there's always something that's challenging that's in your way. And part of that is your belief about your worth, um, your belief about, you know, your capability, um, all of that. Well, and I want to, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, I want to talk about that because I've been thinking about when you get people up there to write where they are and then to write where they want to be, that allowing themselves to put up that true authentic picture of where they want to be, there could be some roadblocks as far as if they deserve it, if they think it could really be possible, they might feel like they, there's, they don't know how they would ever get there. So it stops even, even wanting it if they do think that it's possible and that they deserve it, if they don't feel like they would know what or how to do to get there. So I want to take a short break. This is Ellie Newman on That Got Me Thinking. And I'm here with Patty Dobrovolsky. And we are talking about visual goal setting and drawing solutions and upping your creative genius. So we'll be back in just a moment. This is KDPI 88.5 FM, Ketchum. All right, we're back. This is Ellie Newman on That Got Me Thinking, and I'm speaking with Patty Dobrovolsky, and we are talking about creating your future by acknowledging your current situation, uh, drawing and visualizing and then drawing where you want to be and then the, the three bold arrows of, of how you're going to get there and letting your brain fill in the rest. And there's a lot of issues here. I just, you know, there's trust and, and faith and then there's, there's physical brain chemistry. Um, and so I love that these two worlds intersect uh, so completely in the work that you do. I want to talk a little bit about when people get up to draw the picture and what your experience has been with their ability and willingness to be authentic about where they'd like to be. Yeah, that's a good, good place to start after this break. Uh, You know, I, it's interesting. There were two things that came to mind when you were saying this. One of them was Um, one of my clients said to me, you know, can you give me some stats on really why we would use a picture in that session to make things work? And, you know, I kind of laughed because I thought, wow, that feels like 20 years ago that people asked me that question, you know, like, why would you ever use a picture? I'd go in to pitch working with a client. I'd draw them a picture. They'd say, thank you. Thank you very much. You can leave the picture, but we're not going to do that, right? But they'd always say, leave the picture. And I thought, oh, that's fascinating. (laughs) Okay. So part of it is that when we're um, thinking about the desired state, uh, we can get some interference. And you and I were talking about this briefly before the break and during the break, how how we we interfere with ourself. Um, And when we're creating 
that picture in the room, let's say I have an audience out there, the first thing that they always say when they're going to, because I ask them, it's call and response. You know, I have them draw the current reality. Then I have them tell me what's on that left side. And same for the right. And they always preface what they say with, well, this is a terrible picture I drew, but I drew a rainbow or I drew a whatever, you know, a building or I drew a, and you know, that's, that's old programming that we got. Um, a child said to her father when he said to her, somebody told me this story the other day, you know, when he said to her, I, I can't draw, you, you draw so much better. And she said, well, you can't draw because you don't practice. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, we don't practice because we all stop when we were like five, six, or seven. You know, someone criticized whatever we did, or we didn't see the value in it. And, and so you, we stopped drawing. Do you drawing. think that you're a visual learner by nature? Um, I, no. I, and as a matter of fact, when I saw that guy draw a picture in the room, I thought, I think I can do that. But I don't know how to draw. I just knew I was poster girl in high school. And I, so I knew I could do the lettering really good. I, that part I could do, but the pictures, I had to train myself. I had to learn how to draw, and I did it by imitating other people's drawings. You know, I'd open a magazine, I'd see something in it, I'd try to draw that same thing, or I'd trace it. You know, or even sitting here in the room I'm in, I tried to heighten my observations. So if there's a, um, you know, a vase with flowers in it, I'd be like, oh, I wonder what that'd be like to draw that. And I'd try to draw... I tried to draw what I saw, but believe me, when I first started to draw, my pictures were very, they were very simplistic. They, you know, they were stick figures and uh, squares and all those things I said, circles. You know, I often okay. drew the same thing. Yeah, it doesn't matter because your brain, it doesn't care. It, actually, what it does is it goes, wow, they're drawing a picture. So, wait a minute. Everybody pay attention here. Come on. There's a picture getting drawn here. And then the only part of you that interferes is that critical part. Um, that's your old, uh, you know, first grade teacher that says, you know, you should go into engineering or maybe you should play sports or, you know, instead of being an artist. That's just old programming and you just have to move beyond it because it doesn't matter. If you go to the front of the room when you're running a meeting and you draw a picture on a whiteboard, even if you just go to the, uh, do diagrams, people think that you're the smartest person in the room. Wharton did a study about it. So drawing will, if you're brainstorming in a room full of people, you can get 50% more ideas out of people if you go to the whiteboard and start to draw. So there's all these studies around that piece of it. But getting back to this idea of how do you deal with the critic in yourself, one, you, you just have to talk to the critic. And you just tell it, hey, I'm just going to use my imagination here. I'm just, I'm messing around. Don't worry. This isn't going to be threatening. Nobody's, we're not going to go on Oprah with this and show this drawing. Um, we're just going to have the, have the experience. So you have to kind of calm yourself down. And that, I think, is a good skill to have. And then the second piece is, let's say you draw a picture of the future and you think, um, I can't, how am I going to get there? That's crazy. Honestly, remember, your brain is always in search of the solution. And you have to understand and begin to practice living as if the world is operating to help you. That's a big leap for people who have grown up in an environment where their environment wasn't very helpful. 
But that's the trick of your brain. You have to assume that there is going to be help. And then, that's just the first part, then you have to look for it. It's your job. It's your treasure hunt. It's your scavenger hunt. It's your experience, interactive experience in the world. And the more you fine-tune that and turn up the volume on that, the more you, your creative genius will come through. Because creative genius is really the essence of all of us coming through you. And have you had clients or people you worked with, when this starts to happen, be fearful of it, that say, okay, wait a minute, you know, change is pretty scary. I mean, that science has, has shown for a long time we'd rather have an unpleasant experience that we're familiar with than risk something that we aren't sure about what it's going to be like. And even the idea of getting something that we have imagined that we want, once it starts coming to fruition, might be kind of scary. Does that come up yeah. for people? Well, I, of course, of course. I mean, every kind of fear comes up when you're making any kind of change. And some people um, will try to pull you back to the past. And some parts of you will try to pull you back to the safety net of the past. And that's, you know, I think that's the razor's edge of a lifetime of sleeping versus a lifetime of living, right? Is you can fall asleep at any moment. Well, and also, and the, the moment is your fear. Your fear will just tell you to go back in the covers, right. under the covers. It's trying to protect you, but it's really doing the opposite. And you have to say, okay, thank you. I appreciate that gesture, but we're not exactly. going to do that anymore. And then there's another razor's edge the idea that if we can and actually are and acknowledge that we are creating our own experience and realities and futures that we are then responsible for them so we've got to stop the blame game and I'm wondering when you were a therapist way back when and I'm thinking you were a pretty darn good one but that when you were telling people to do things that it's often easier to be stuck in this unpleasant place and not have to take responsibility for it than to realize oh she's right I could just do something different and have a different experience if, if I learned how yeah. to I I, th- I think too that this this is our big um, task is to realize you're ultimately responsible for everything, um, and accept responsibility for if something bad happens to you, it's your attitude that's going to help you get through it more easily, versus it's something that you know happened to you and you're victimized by it, and um, I are you. So that that's my sense of it. So I want to talk a little also, bit. Also, too, I, I, love, I love watching Brene Brown because Brene Brown, in, in talking about vulnerability, she talks a lot about the shame and blame game. And I ran an off-site with a bunch of leaders, and um, I just found that, that I played that video for them and, so that they would watch that because in their culture, that was a common thing to do, to blame other people. I want to talk a little bit about the we've we've, t- we've hit on a little bit the neuroscience in the brain um, connected with the imagination. I was thinking about this morning when I was preparing. I was thinking there's this sort of fine line that you are treading of these two worlds between science and then between sort of the world of metaphysics, something you know like Shakti yes. Gawain, creative visualization, or Science of Mind Church, Ernest Holmes' work, or Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And I think the reality is what you've hit upon, that there, 
these things do happen if we visualize them and we imagine them and we soak in the feeling of it and we imagine as if it's already happened. And, and, but it happens because maybe not universal metaphysics or maybe, but maybe just because that is how the brain operates and that that's right. how we trigger it. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would agree. And I, I also think, I think it happens whether we're aware of it or not. So we, we know that if we um, kind of, I don't know, if, if you pay attention to your life and you gossip around about a couple and then you go back that night and you find yourself in your relationship having the same experience that those people you were gossiping about, you, you know, this is the hard thing. We don't look at the effects of what we've created in the cause and effect space of how the world works, right? Um, we're living within these laws that operate and it's through the understanding of those laws that exist that you become better at navigating the world. And I think that that's part of, you know, a journey you either want to be on or you choose not to be on. And whether you do or whether you don't, it's in operation. So um, in, in this case, I think you can accelerate things by simply bringing them into your awareness. And, but that's entirely up to you. You could assume that life is going to, is just what it is and that there's nothing magic about it. And I, you know, for some people that's, that's the world that they live in. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. For me though, I'm looking for the magic. And I think that many people are looking for the magic of why does the world work and how does it work? How can I work better within it? And if you're interested in those things, then that's why um, you and I both suggest that you should hack yourself. Try things. Try something new and see what's your truth. Because what's true for me and what's true for you, Ellie, are going to be completely different. Our experiences are uniquely our own because the essence of who we are is completely unique. Our brain function, you know, they can't map the brain because every brain is different. So they can say in this general region, this is what happens here. But in order to change something or access different parts of what you're doing or program it in your brain, they have to open your brain up and then they have to touch it with probes to figure out, oh, what does that do and how, where do you feel that? Because everybody's different. So to me, um, the hacking yourself part is, um, I think, is the exciting part. I think I think it absolutely is, and I think it's there. There's a barrier that some people might need to cross over to know that what they're going to find is a okay. That you know, so many of us from the time we're kids get told that that who we are and what we want and the way we are in the world isn't right and isn't okay and we're supposed to be something else and so we're spending all of our time searching for what that is and trying to fit into this mold that is a, a false mold um, and and to really be able to say oh you know what no like I'm empowered this is now I know the rules of the game this is how I can get my brain to go along with me to get where I want to go on this adventure 
Yeah, and I think you're saying something very important, which is to get my brain. I mean, I think people assume that you are your brain, and you're not. So, you're an essence in the universe, and your brain is a tool. Your physical body is a tool. And when you look at it from that perspective, wow, you know, it shifts everything. You want to care for that. Uh, you want to access that. You want to understand it better because it's allowing you to have experiences in the world. And the more you heighten that understanding of it, um, the better off you can use the tool that you have and preserve it. So let's talk a little bit about that um, in connection with the dynamics of change. The odds of making a change in your life are, are nine to one. And your yeah. work helps you to train your brain to help you execute your vision, to create a picture of your vision, and then to help execute that and you're utilizing the way that your brain naturally works and within that the imagination and you say the imagination is the engine of our lives imagination changes everything so what is the relationship of the brain and imagination well the imagination is um, is part of um, how you envision things so um, when you uh, and it operates, I don't think people understand where in the brain that your uh, imagination comes from. They don't understand it. It's an automated functioning of your brain um, that it can envision. Um, not everybody uh, can envision um, just based on what part, if they have some uh, kind of disability with their brain or a part of it isn't functioning. But um, it, your imagination is how you access and understand and make sense of everything that's happening around you. And it's not a limit, limited thing, right? So you don't have a limit on your imagination. Your imagination can, can envision anything that you want it to. And the more that you practice using your imagination, the better it gets, so for some people say, I can't imagine, I, I, you know, I'm just not imaginative, or they'll say things like I'm not creative. But in fact, it's, it's just like a, any kind of muscle your imagination is. And so if you allow yourself to imagine anything and pay attention to what you are imagining, so you meet someone on the street, it's just a random person, you're projecting onto them a story that you have suddenly made up about them. And what, what's hard about your imagination is that it comes with a perceptual lens that's based on experience. So you want to expand that lens as much as you can through actual experience so you're not projecting onto the world bias um, based on where you came from. And the imagination is one way to do it. If you find yourself imagining negative things, you will have to kind of trick your brain and re-corral re it, I would say, into imagining better things, better scenarios. Since the brain operates in a way in which it must problem solve when you're in trouble or you're concerned or worried, because remember, it's going for that hit of dopamine in your system, then you want to give it positive things to go into that picture. So when you have that strange interaction with someone, rather than allowing your imagination free reign to go wild about a story that isn't real, you want to stop, bring yourself into the present moment, 
ask them a question so you get to understand better, and then you paint an accurate picture. Because it's it's um it's imagination is a, a tool that it's it's always in operation. It's not like something that you turn on or off. It's always on. It's always working something. You mentioned a study in 2014 at the Center for Integrative and Cognitive Neuroscience where researchers found that visualizing a task before completing it, you perform better than even those who had actually done it in the physical realm yeah. uh, prior. Right. right. Yes. So, you know, you think that your imagination isn't um, programming yourself at any time. It is. So when you imagine anything in advance, imagine yourself visualizing that thing before you do it. So before you go into the meeting, you imagine it going very well, people responding to you positively, and then you go into the experience. And two things happen. One, it calms you down, right? So you're giving the, the story to your amygdala, the positive experience, and then you're just living that fulfilled. So you're just fulfilling on the part of following the equation to the end. The same way, uh, like the woman who had the dream, then she went out in real life to look for that dream. You know, you envision the best case of what you want all the time. You just have to close the equation, which is go out in the world and look there. If you want to create a bold step for yourself, and you envision the best possible future, you still have to do your part, right? It doesn't just happen um, automatically. You're doing the envisioning part. Um, a woman was a decathlete that I met early on as a therapist, and I did a little coaching with her, um, but she told me a story about herself that she had envisioned herself. She was going to the Olympics, and she envisioned herself getting to the Olympic circle, you know, where they all come into the big stands area, but she never envisioned herself on the podium. And so when she got to competition, she broke her ankle. You know, she did a bad jump in the long jump and broke her ankle, right? And then later she learned from the experience. And during training for the next sequence of Olympics, she broke her back in a car accident, but she laid in bed, watched pictures of herself previously competing, and ran the image so that when she went to the trials, she had only had the chance to train for two weeks, and she made it into the Olympics. So, you know, I think the imagination is and a powerful thing. And then I'm hoping thing. she started envisioning herself on the podium. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Learn from that story, right? <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. But yes. You know, that's a, that's so, a, you know, imagination is powerful. I mean, I'm sure you have uh, imagined yourself having certain experiences or even getting this show, and it's happened for you. I'm a big chicken, so I'm working on it. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, but that's then? good that you said that because I think we're all a big chicken. I mean, that's part of our nature. So we just have to build our confidence in these small ways. Allow the universe to show you these little tiny steps that you can take. Tiny steps. And, you know, earlier you were saying, you know, people say when goal setting, you know, take tiny steps to get there and it ends up building to this big thing. Truth. Truth. Both are true. Bolt step gets you out of your rut. Tiny steps allow you to win the race. 
want to talk just a little bit about um, the drawing element in a little more depth before we go on to our last subject of maintaining change. But the drawing element, the mind mapping and the drawing versus making lists, and then I know there's lots of books about lists, and then within your list you make more lists. And just the idea of that to me seems to narrow, 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 and you know the specificity of it, and then it's all you know that, and then action, and leaving out sort of I think what could be this very, very helpful tool that you have. Um, shown the light on. So I want to talk a little bit about the, the drawing and then the repetition and the visual goal reminders. And sort of once you have your big map out, um, how does drawing... Yeah, how do you use yes, it? Yes, how do you yeah, use it? Yeah, that's good. So um, let's say you've done your first visual, right? So like I said, I drew on a big whiteboard and that's where I start sometimes. But I will sometimes do a mini map of one piece of my desired future I want to understand more about. And so I'll take that one element of abundance, maybe I want more abundance, and I'll spell it out. Like what's the current reality of abundance? What are my beliefs about it? What kind of money am I making? You know, what kind of friendships do I have that that all fall into abundance? And I unpeel it. And then I create a future state about just abundance. So I have that, and then I figure out these are the three bold steps I can take to get there. So that's one thing I do, and I call that just mini-mapping of the right side. The other piece is, let's say you did that map, and you know some of the things on the map don't happen right away. Like I'm thinking of this guy who wanted to be a filmmaker, and he... he um, uh, was actually a production assistant in Bali. And so he did all these films for other people, but he never did his own film. And he'd written a script and he, he you know, s- did the mapping process. And then about halfway through, he's like got the script done and he has this actor as he knows, but he's like lost funding. He doesn't know what to do. So he sends me this text message and he's like, I'm in Bali, I'm here and I've got everything together, but it's not happening. And I'm like, dude, go back to the right side of your map. And trust the process. Find if there's something else you can do. Because small actions on that right side will continue to move it forward. And part of it is there's something else maybe in your consciousness that you have to get out of the way. So a year later, I write him, because I keep everybody's emails, and I wrote him back and I said, hey, whatever happened? And he said, the film went to the Cannes Festival. It went to the Cannes Festival. I mean, it got a huge award. And so, to me, this is what happens for us. We think, oh, it's not happening right away. Well, yeah, some things don't happen right away. And so, um, what you need to do is do a little more work to figure out, well, A, is that really the vision that you want? Is it something that you really want? Uh, Because maybe there's some interference around that and how you are. And the second thing is do a little mini map on that one piece of it to uncover, like peel it back, peel back the layer of it, take it into your meditation or prayer or whatever it is that you use. You let your creative genius come into you so that you understand it better. You know, that's what Einstein did with that damn chalkboard. He just went and worked the equation over and over again in a visual format. Then he meditated in these circles to get himself to a better place in his imagination, running that problem over and over again in these thought experiments. And that's what we want to do. And the last thing is, let's say that you're, you've got this picture and um, you, you realize that the picture is over. You did it. 
go do another one. Don't feel attached to the picture, the original one that you did. Just know, like myself, you could do a new picture every day and you'll still continue to work the things in that picture that you want. The things that you want will come back again and again in the desired new reality until you've fulfilled them. So I was going to ask you in regard to maintaining change in the face of habits and unchanged circumstances and, and limiting beliefs, if the imagination sort of somehow and the brain sort of, sort of in this process circumvent or override these issues um, and then fill in you know, different elements uh, in the gaps to this story to support the outcome. But from what you've just said, I'm thinking really what it does, the brain helps you to work through these yeah circumstances, limiting beliefs, um, and, and habits. Yeah, I think both. And I would say Ellie, because you can jump over your fear and have a different experience and that'll reprogram your brain. So when you're talking about maintaining or making change early on in the call, I said, um, you know, or in the interview, I talked about how important it is to change up your routine, run up the stairs differently, eat something different every day, surprise yourself. Um, you know, try not to draw everything the same way or yourself the same way. Don't draw sometime, maybe make up a song or um, maybe when you're going into a meeting rather than always sitting in the same spot because we're routinized, you know, make yourself stand up the whole time or have your whole team stand up. Do things to shake it up because in shaking it up, you know, that creates that opening Remember when that team drew on the wall of all that they were feeling, that creates the opening and the spaciousness for new to drop in. And that's what you're looking for, is the ability to access and step into the new, the new you, the new world. Well, thank you so much, Patty. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me, Ellie. It was awesome. And I'd love to have you come back if you're interested to talk about how this works within an organization and also yes. within a larger group or community. Yes, I'd love to. I'd love to come back anytime. Okay, fantastic. All right, this is KDPI 88.5 FM, Ketchum. Thank you.